Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, good morning again, everybody. Great to see you here on this weekend. Good to be back. I, I missed being here last week and a part of Youth Sunday. Didn't they do a great job? Aren't you excited about what God is doing in them? You know, interesting story. When we started Youth Sunday, which is 20 years ago now, you know, the goal was kind of to engage our young people in serving in the life of the church. Let them see what it what it's like and what we do, what people all around them are doing every Sunday. So that's kind of how we got started with this. But, you know, today as our youth ministry is involved, so many of our youth, youth Sunday's not when they start serving. Uh, they're they're a great percentage of them are serving every Sunday uh, throughout the life of our, our church. And so we're not really introducing them to anything anymore. They're already doing that. I, I think the value of Youth Sunday now is for you to get what to see what God is doing in our young people and what is happening here and being able to support and encourage and celebrate that. Micah, and of course, everybody saw Micah and the praise team up here. They did a phenomenal job. It's kind of what I would have expected them to do. I think they did great, but I was kind of what I was expecting. I know a lot of you saw them in life groups, and uh, you were very blessed by all that. So a great youth Sunday and excited about all that. Of course, that's talking about last week. Man, the coming two weeks that we have, we've got such a great kickoff to our summer. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's a good chance the last two weeks of summer you'll be talking about what you were a part of the first two weeks of summer. Next week, of course, is our morning of worship. That song you just heard, This Is Our God, is going to kind of be the theme and the anchor point of that. I will be speaking some there, but a real short thing. What we... We do a night of worship, and we wanted, we wanted everybody to be able to see that, and so we're doing a morning of worship next week, and it will heal, and it will encourage, and it will help and give you renewed faith and give all of us a great opportunity to really worship in spirit and truth. So that's going to be a, a great Sunday, and then the Sunday after that... We have Todd Miles coming. I'm not suggesting you should be aware of that name. Uh, Todd is a, a professor at Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon, and he wrote a book called Cannabis and the Christian. And uh, just, I read this book recently. It does such a good job with it, not only in answering that question, because, you know, there's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not smoke dope. That doesn't say that. And so how do you decide what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, when there's not a specific verse that says thou shall or thou shalt not? And not just on the issue of marijuana, but on, on any of those kind of issues, I think he does a great job of, of pointing us to Scripture and helping us build kind of a biblical worldview, a, a biblical wisdom as we approach a variety of questions. I think this is a very important question to approach. For years we said, don't, don't smoke marijuana because it's against the law. Well, guess what? It's not against the law. And, and so how do we know medicinal, recreational, all these questions and, and living his life in Oregon, he is, he has grown up in a, pot smoking culture. It's been legal in Oregon for over 30 years. 
Uh, so he, it just does a great job. I'm really excited about, I read the books, first time I've ever read a book and called the author and said, hey, would you come speak in my church? And he, and he said, yes. So I said, okay, well, <laughs> here he comes, June 11th. So man, I think with both of these next two Sundays, you're going to want to be here and uh, bring people with you. It's going to be a, a, a great start to our our summer. Today, we're back in Genesis. And, and of course, I, after what I just explained, June 18th will be the next time we're in Genesis. So today, we're going to be looking at Genesis 3, 1 to 7. And then June 18th, will be, we'll pick back up in, in verse 8. But Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Folks, we're about to read the story. I mean, wow, what a monumental failure. It, it is hard to grasp. How big a failure we're getting ready to read about and what it has meant. Do do you realize every lie, every single lie you've ever been told was birthed in Genesis 3, 1 to 7? It was birthed in the story that we're about to read. Now, of course, that also means every lie you've ever told was birthed right here in Genesis 3. Every lie, every murder, every rape, every crime, every car accident, every divorce, every bad day. My goodness, folks, the reason the lawnmower didn't start yesterday is because of what we're going to read in Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Seriously, every brokenness, every stub toe goes back to Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 7. And they had nobody to blame for what they did. They can't blame their parents. They didn't get to blame a coach or a a boss or or an environment that they were in. Nobody to blame. And yet, when we do get back to this on June 18th, guess what we're going to see them do? Blame. And we won't see that today, but but they're going to find a way to blame when they're the only two people on the planet. You know, blaming. It's not a very effective, uh, profitable activity but there is reason for it, right? I mean, hey, I've, I've got weaknesses in my life. I've got propensities to certain failures that are there because of what someone or something did to me. That's real. I mean, that, that, that is a reality. You, I, we get stuck in some bad ways. Sometimes it's just bad thoughts, and it comes directly from what somebody else did. But as real as that is, and as much as we get focused on the wrong that others have done to us, the great problem in your life is not what somebody did to you. The real disaster going on in your life, in my life, I choose to sin. I I don't just sin, I choose to sin. Let's see where that got started. Look with me today at Genesis chapter 3. Again, just verses 1 to 7. Now, now to understand, to get the context of this, we, we need to go back and get a, a, a little bit in chapter 2. So let's look at chapter 2, just two verses, verses 16 and 17 first. I assume if you found Genesis 3, you can find Genesis 2. It's real close, okay? Verse 16, Chapter 2, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. It's important to hear that. Every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. 
For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we've got a bunch of trees. We've got one tree. We've got a command. Now let's read chapter 3. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now is that what God said? No, no, he's exaggerating here. God said you can't eat of any tree. And the woman said to the serpent, No, 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 no. We, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden... But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. Now, did God say anything about touching it? He he didn't. Now, honestly, that's probably a pretty good policy. It seems like there's a lot of bad with that tree. I probably shouldn't go near it, probably shouldn't touch it. But she's quoting God here, and God didn't actually say anything about, about touching it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, oh, that's, that's my own interpretation. It actually says, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, listen to this, God knows. God's keeping something from you. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was... I mean, it looked good for food. And boy, it was a delight to look at. It was a pretty fruit. And that the tree was desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened. And they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. And they made for themselves loincloths. So... God gives to Adam, we start off there, God gives to Adam every tree. I mean, you really got to absorb that. Every single tree is yours except one. Now, there's a couple of ways to approach that. One a little more positive, one a little more negative. The more positive way is to say every tree but one, I think God's heavily stacked the odds in our favor. I just one tree. Everything else is yours. I can do that. Everyone but one. That seems pretty simple. Of course, maybe another way to look at this. I don't know if this is the negative angle or not, but why put the one tree there at all? I mean, if this tree has the potential of, of bringing such disaster into my life, our lives, into the world, if it's so bad, God, why did you even put the tree there at all? Oh, that tree is incredibly important for you, for me. Man, that tree is my opportunity to freely, of my own will, of my own accord, of my own choosing to love God, to worship God, to obey God, to trust that he's good and what he's telling me is good. You see, I'm not, a, I'm not an animal. I'm not an insect. I'm, I'm not an inanimate object that, that God designed and just put and said, okay, you do this and, and that's all I can do. I, I, all an animal can do is what it was designed to do. But you and I created a little differently. We're created in the image of God. We learned that in Genesis 1, right? I'm creating the image of God. There's a number of things that means. One of those things being, I have a free will. Trees don't choose to do anything but be a tree. 
Animals don't choose to do anything but what they do as an animal. I can make choices. Now, not just am I going to go this way or am I going to go that way. No, I get to choose between right and wrong, between good and evil. I can even choose between good and and better and best. And so that tree becomes my opportunity. Hey, everywhere I go is what God's given me, but where do I really show? Hey, I'm not just doing what I was put in a little rat maze to do. No, I'm doing what I choose to do in trusting you, and that's that tree. Now, To freely choose God at that tree means I have the freedom to do what? To not choose God at that tree. To choose something else. So we see, we see this crafty serpent. Now I don't know about you, I'd like to know more about the crafty serpent, right? Why is it talking? Maybe even bigger question I have is, why is Eve not surprised that it's talking? I mean, if I'm Eve, I'm going, wait, wait, what? <laughs> what's happening right here? You know, it, what's going on here? I, I, am I supposed to know? Am, I, am I, I supposed to understand what is going on here? Now, Revelation 12, 9 is going to identify for us what is in, what is behind the serpent. If you turn to Revelation 12, 9, it would, it would introduce you to the deceiver, the one who deceives, who is behind all deception. Now, if you turn to Revelation 12, 9, it won't say, hey, y'all remember that snake back there in Genesis 3? That was the devil. No, it just said all deception. All deceiving comes from the devil. So that we know the devil is behind the serpent. But Revelation, that's the whole other end of the Bible. But here I am in Genesis 3. Why isn't anybody explaining to me this talking snake and what it's doing here? And again, maybe I'm just supposed to assume. Maybe I'm I'm just supposed to know as the reader. But I, this really bothered me. So I thought about it a lot. And, and you know, here's what I kind of came to. I wonder if the scripture doesn't really dive into a talking snake because at the end of the day, it's irrelevant. It's just really not the issue. As, as big as that seems, and I want to know, there's always a tempter. And that tempter always has a voice. Now, I'm not trying to turn this into some kind of metaphor. I believe in a literal Eve, a literal talking serpent. She's standing before a literal tree. But every temptation you've ever experienced in life had a voice behind it. Maybe you recognize the voice. Maybe you didn't recognize the voice. Maybe you know the voice, don't know the voice. Maybe you trust the voice. Maybe you don't trust the voice. Maybe you think the voice is your own voice. What voice do you trust more than your own? There's always a tempter. And it always has a voice speaking into you. So the serpent comes with... or. With, with that, folks, the bigger issue is not who the tempter is or what his voice is. The bigger issue is what am I going to do here? What am I going to do with this temptation? What am I going to do with this voice? Am I going to trust God in his word? You know, I, I doubt I haven't, so I'm guessing you haven't either. When I'm thinking about sin, 
when I'm being tempted towards I'm rarely thinking, now am I going to trust God in his word or am I not going to trust God? But that is what's going on. God said, don't do this, and I'm deciding that I'm going to. Why? Because I don't trust God on this. I don't trust that he has my good in mind. And that's what we see happening with this temptation here. So the devil starts with a, uh, hey, God said you can't eat from any tree. A super gross exaggeration, easily recognized. And Eve quickly and easily responds to that, no, 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 all but one. But I wonder there if, if there's a kind of a ploy here on the devil's part. You know, kind of doing a little sleight of hand. Hey, everybody, look up here. Look up here at the shiny object, the gross exaggeration. And while we're all looking up there, he slides in a thought underneath. And what is that thought? God said no to you. One tree, ten trees, all the trees. Who cares how many trees it is? God said no to you. Do you want a God that says no to you? Why is he saying, why is he saying no to you? You know, when you, you hear a no from somebody, you kind of have to trust where it's coming from, don't you? We have to understand the character behind the no. Well, let's, let's think about the character. That there, There's a tree. God said no. Okay, who's telling me no? Well, it's somebody with... Well, like all the knowledge in the world. And not just knowledge, knowledge of me. God knows me better than I know me. God knows me today, everything I'm thinking and feeling and doing. He knows me yesterday. He knows everything about me tomorrow. And guess what? God knows everything about that shiny object I'm looking at. Everything about that temptation. Everything about where that temptation came from yesterday, where what it means to me today, where that will go tomorrow. And it was with all that knowledge that God says, Hey, I can see where it came from. I can see where it's going. And that's not going to work well for you. You really don't want to run down this road. I want to put a hard no on this for you. You see, it's from all that knowledge that there are things God says no to. But knowledge in and of itself can be kind of cold and impersonal. God's not just saying, well, I've run the math on this and it's not going to work. No, folks, it's from love. It's from love that God says, no, this will not be good for you. This will hurt you. Hey, it may not hurt you right now, but it's going to hurt others around you. So no, it comes from knowledge. It comes from love. It comes from justice. You know, here in America, we fancy ourselves really, boy, we're dialed in on justice. No, nobody wants justice like we want justice as we run away from the God of all justice. What is justice? What really works for everybody? That's going to be found in God. And in all the places he said no, somewhere that ends up being unfair, unjust for somebody. Hey, that no comes from what's good. So you see, as I pursue a yes where God has said no then I'm now pursuing the opposite of all those words I just called out. I'm now pursuing the opposite of knowledge and justice and love and, and goodness when I pursue a yes where God has said no. So the devil starts off here with just a little sleight of hand, a little confusion, maybe slipping in an idea that God has said no to you. Do you want somebody saying no to you? 
And, and as maybe there Eve is working through all this, then he comes, a, you know, he takes the next step and he comes a little harder. Now he's going to directly deny God, contradict God. And he says, God said you're going to die? No, you're not. God's lying to you. You will not die when you eat of that fruit. Now, we do need to stop and ask here. They, Adam and Eve took, took the fruit. They didn't die, did they? So, so was Satan right? I mean, they didn't die right there. Well, there's two kinds of death talked about all the way through the Bible. There's a spiritual death and there's a physical death. That spiritual death's really significant. We've been talking a lot. Genesis chapter 1, I've already mentioned it today, being created in the image of God. Part of being created in the image of God is I have a will, I have a choice, I have freedom. Another part of being created in the image of God is I am a spiritual being. What we all look at and interact with is a physical being. But I am a spiritual being as well. That's the part of me created to relate with God. And that part of me died right here, died instantly. And then, of course, God says, and we'll get into this when we get deeper in Genesis 3, and that will also bring about a physical death. Now, what you and I don't want, this is another sermon for another time, what we don't want is for our physical death to intersect with our spiritual death. Because that's when my spiritual death becomes eternal. I'm now eternally separated from God. But God said, hey, there's going to be a spiritual death. There's going to be a physical death. And Satan said, no, there's not. You know, God's just doing what gods do. They scare you. I mean, how how else is he going to get you to follow him unless he just scares you to death? No pun intended. You know why God's trying to scare you away from that tree? You know why he's trying to scare you away from that lie, that lust, that, that greed, that, that bitterness, that getting even? You know why God's trying to scare you away from that? Because he knows when you grab a hold of that, you're going to find there's more. Oh, God's got so much more to offer. I mean, the world has so much more to offer you than God. God's holding out on you. God's keeping good stuff back from you. And when you reach out and grab that, you'll find out. There's more. Your eyes will be opened and you'll see so much more pleasure, so much more revenge, so much more power, so much more, well, let me tell you what, so much more you. That's all I want for you is more you. You know, again, Genesis chapter 1, I'm created in the image of God. If I want to thrive If I want to understand who I am and why I'm here, I'm going to pursue the designer and the design he gave me. If I move away from the designer and the design, I'm not going to thrive. I'm not going to experience more me in doing that. I'm going to experience breaking the design. And yet we do it anyway, don't we? We've watched billions of people before us do it. We've watched billions of people do it now. Every single thing, every piece of fruit you and I grab a hold of, we've watched somebody else eat it and die. But we're different, right? It's going to to work for us. You ever wondered where Adam was in all this? I may be just talking about what a bad reader I am, but I was well into my adult life. Before I realized where Adam was. I don't know why. In my mind, I just had him off doing something really good. Probably mowing the yard with a lawnmower that would never break. 
I just had him doing something good. Eve chased him down, rammed the fruit down his throat and destroyed everything. And I, I was an adult. I don't, I don't remember if it was a sermon or a Bible study or where it was where somebody just pointed out, hey, it says right there in verse 6 where Adam was the entire time. Standing right next to Eve. And he said nothing. And he did nothing. Gosh, what if, what if, what if Adam would have just said, hey, let's go ask God about this. I don't know, this is a talking snake. Maybe we should. (laughs) Or maybe been more bold and said, Eve, God's good. He's not hiding anything from us. He's not, we we need to trust what God has. There's all kinds of things good he could have done. He said and he did Nothing. You know, I think so often we look at the kind of this major temptation. Am I going to trust God in his word? We see Eve and what's going on with the devil there. But I think there's actually another temptation we don't always acknowledge here. And that is the temptation to stand there and do nothing while people you love choose Satan. Why do you do that? You do. You have more times than you can count, as have I. Why do we stand there and say that? Well, I mean, the answer is, I don't want to be mean. I, I don't want to be mean. I, 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 I don't want to be judgmental. Ah, good news. God doesn't want you to be mean either. That, Jesus said, don't, don't judge lest you be judged. Absolutely, you're absolutely right for thinking, I don't want to be mean and I don't want to be judgmental. So let's just listen to what God says. As you do something... Man, you got to be humble. And you've got gentle. Gentle and humble are the two primary words that should shape and describe how we confront, how we challenge somebody. And you know what keeps you humble and gentle? Jesus said you need to be really aware of the log that's in your eye while you go pick the speck out of another. Now, we get caught up in the size of that. The bottom line is, hey, listen, if you're challenging somebody, if you're talking to somebody about sin in their lives, you've got to be aware of the sin that's in your lives. You've got to be aware that you may fall into the very temptation that you're challenging them with. And when I see that, boy, that, that makes me humble and it makes me gentle as I absolutely say, hey, man, let's not do that. Let, let's not do that. Let, 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 let's pray about that together. Let's think about where this, let's think about where this goes. Do, do you have a friend in your life like that? Do you have somebody that in your life would say, hey man, let's not do that. And if you don't, I want to encourage you right here, right now, today to begin praying for that. To begin praying. And here's the thing. You're not going to open the front door tomorrow and there it is in an Amazon box. It's not, that's not how it works. Matter of fact, even if God answers your prayer today and this person walks into your life tomorrow, hey, we all know that kind of relationship doesn't happen overnight, does it? It, it takes time. you got to trust somebody when they're getting up in your grill, right? you you gotta, you got to trust somebody to hear them say, hey, man, no, no. That's not okay. That's not right. We don't, we don't want to do that. Do you have this person in your life? 
Are you this kind of person for somebody? Man, I see, I, I see two profound temptations being set in place here. That here we are, 3,500 years after this was written, and this is writing about an event 3,500 more years before that. And this is exactly what we're dealing with today. Exactly what we're dealing with today. So, so what do we do here? How, how do we respond? How do we prepare for this? Satan has a strategy. It's to tell you God's not good for telling you no. God's holding out on you. God's got something better. You can't, you can't trust this. I mean, isn't that our conversation today? Can anyone really know what God has said Oh, there's all kinds of uh, disagreements on interpretations and all. Which, by the way, we all accept that 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 statement at face value, and it's not true. But we act like there's just a million ways to interpret the Bible, and nobody really knows that that's not true. But but he throws that out there. How do we prepare for this? How do we? You know, I guess the way we usually. Would put a title on that. How do I handle temptation? But folks, it's so much more than that. It's not, it's just not about, hey, there's a shiny piece of fruit. I'm going to eat it. Oh, wrong. Yeah, that is very much part of this, but it's so much bigger than that. When you and I give into that temptation, we bring destruction into all kinds of people all around us. Some of them that we love and care about. You see, the lie we tell ourselves, and is it our voice or is it another voice? Your sin's private, your sin's personal, your sin's not hurting anybody. Let's think about that. Is there any sin more private and more personal than what Adam and Eve are doing right here? There's nobody else on the planet. That's pretty private, that's pretty personal. And every single frustration to disaster that you dealt with this week goes back to that right there. You've never committed a small, private, personal sin that doesn't affect anybody else. You know, Micah said it to us last week. We may choose the sin. We may choose the temptation, but I, I don't get to choose the consequences. I don't get to choose how that lands or where that lands. You know, there's temptations bigger and smaller, right? I mean, I have a temptation to lie to you, and I have a temptation to kill you. Now, you'd probably prefer I go with temptation number one. And yeah, the consequences of that will land differently. But do you know both temptations are a profound opportunity for me to walk away from God and perhaps never return? See, that's a part of the choice we don't, we don't always make. Yeah, I might stumble in what we call a small temptation or a small sin, and I, oh, I fall down, and I skin my knees, and I brush them off, and I, you know, I, I'm sorry, Lord, and forgive me, and I, and I press on. And who knows, another day I fall into this temptation, and I, I never get up again. I never walk with God again. You, you, you don't choose how that lands. It's really significant how I prepare myself 
for these moments. I want to give you two quick ideas. I, 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 I hesitate using the word easy, but I, I really think God on purpose created an opportunity for us that's not hard. He wants every one of us to be able to do that. Number one, I need an ever-growing knowledge of God's word. Ever-growing. You know, this is a room of people. If you come to the Heights Baptist, there's a pretty good chance you believe in the Bible. Not everybody does, right? I'm sure there's folks in here right now that don't believe in the Bible. I'm sure there's folks in here right now watching online that maybe have very little working knowledge of the Bible. But a lot of us do, don't we? A lot of us, it goes back to, to Sunday school. Man, the first time I learned about Adam and Eve at this tree, I was looking at a flannel graph in Sunday school, right? They slapped up the little flannel snake there. And, you know, I mean, we've been hearing. So I know, I know this story about Adam and Eve at the tree. And I know about Jonah and the great fish. And I know Moses and the Red Sea. And I know Jesus walked on water and he rose again. Man, we know Bible stories, you know, I mean, hey, if somebody at work asks somebody, oh, yeah, I know about, about that. that, that means this. I mean, a lot of us have a good, general, working knowledge of the Bible. But man, when I look at what was going on with Eve and the serpent there, we're not talking about a general understanding of what's in here. Man, things were turning on a word, on a word there, minimizing something exaggerating something. Matter of fact, again, you go back to Micah's message last week. Satan has the audacity. You think here he is trying to twist God's word with Eve. Satan had the audacity to try to twist God's word with God. And he quotes Deuteronomy. Hey, if you're going to survive a temptation and it's based on your knowledge of Deuteronomy, how are you going to do this week? Yeah, we'll just move right on past that question, won't we? Three times Satan quotes Deuteronomy, and he quotes it perfectly. He doesn't, he doesn't exaggerate, he doesn't minimize, he doesn't change a word. He quotes it perfectly. Now, where the twist comes is with the application and what that means. Now, I'm guessing, folks, if Satan feels confident going after the Son of God with the Word of God, I'm guessing he's not too afraid of coming after me. The battle is not over that temptation in front of you. The battle is what you believe about God and his word. And you got to know, how do I know God's word? I don't know, pick a way. I can tell you, doing nothing is not the way. I would suggest regular. I would suggest daily. I, I would suggest books. I would suggest studies. Hey, I'd suggest get around other people who are studying God's word. Because remember, I need that friend who can speak God's word into my life. Secondly, ever-growing knowledge of God's word. Secondly, an ever-growing faith in the goodness of God. An ever-growing faith. How do I get an ever-growing faith? Well, one, I put myself in God's word every day so that I can see his goodness. Number two, I give thanks every day. Why? Thanksgiving is the discipline of forcing myself to see the goodness and the character of God and goodness and the actions and works of God. Because guess what? We can't always see that goodness, can we? You know, one of the reasons we need the church and we, we need each other is so that I can wander in here this morning and sing, God is so good. You know what? There's somebody in here who sang that. And man, you're just crying tears of joy. 
Man, this day, this week, you're just so experiencing the good of God. You're so in awe of the goodness of God. And what a blessing it was for you to sing that song. Do you realize you may be sitting within arm's reach of somebody who sang that song with you and they don't see it at all right now? I mean, I I believe it. I know that's what I'm supposed to believe. But I tell you, all I got right now is a song. Because I'm not seeing the goodness of God at all. And you know, if you didn't wander in here this morning, you wouldn't even have the song. I mean, this is a battle. Satan picks this very strategically because he knows where you and I fail continuously. God told me no. I know the lie will work. I know the lust will work. I know the greed will work. I know the, the bitterness will work. I know, it'll, I know it'll work. Why do I know that? Because I believe there's something more than God on the other side of that piece of fruit. There's a better goodness. There's, a, there's more me. You know, folks, everything we're describing, a, an ever-growing knowledge of God's Word, an ever-growing Faith in his goodness describes the motivation behind so much of what we do here at the Heights. Gathering in this room, going to life group, being a part of a daily Bible reading plan with with the church as, as a whole. Why do we do all that? Because those things all support that. You could do some of this alone, but alone doesn't work very good in temptation. You know, I've I've built friendships around my favorite teams. I've built friendships around people I work with. I've built friendships around people I go to school with. I build friendships around favorite hobbies. Are you building any friendships around the study of God's word? Are you building any friendships around the study of God's word? You know, it's great to be in this room. I mean, who's a better Bible teacher than me? I can't think of anybody. But you know... The real negative or the, the thing that doesn't work in this room is you can come into this room for the next 10 years and not have a single friend. You can come in this room and never build a relationship while you listen to me. So somewhere I've got to be getting in God's word together with others because that by default whether we know it or not, (laughs) is a little bit of an invitation. Hey, we've studied God's word together, so you kind of have permission to come and say, hey, you know, we can't do that. And maybe there'll be agreement, maybe disagreement, but now we pray, we talk, we discuss, we work together at trusting in God's goodness and God's word. And here's why it's so important, because Satan's not going to quit. Let me say it again. If he went after Jesus... I'm guessing he's not too hot and bothered coming after you. Do you realize you will never grow to a place in your Christian walk? You'll never grow to a place in your maturity, in your faith, where Satan says, I'm out of here, I'm done, I just can't win here. He will not quit until you're standing before Jesus. There are places we can grow, places we can develop, things we can get past. But you will never get past Satan saying, I'm coming for you this week. Do you know God's word enough when he comes? Are you building faith in God's goodness when he comes? Because that's how he's going after you.
Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace that will pick me up in my fall. Restore me to the image you've created me. Restore me to the relationship that I have with you. And Lord, why I am, I'm in awe of your grace and your love. I'm also in, a little bit in awe sometimes of my failure that I can enjoy all that grace, all that goodness, really, really believe you are good and yet still choose sin because I think it has something to offer me more. Father, I pray you'd really open our eyes this week to the specific places, and there's probably more than we can count, but Lord, just a few. Some places where you're telling us no, and we're pressing forward because we believe we know better and we believe there's more. Let us realize that's where we're making our choice of our faith in your goodness and our belief in you and your word. Lord, I want, I want to get it right for my life and my relationship with you. And I want to get it right because I, I don't want to bring damage and pain into lives around me. Some of which I really love and care about. Oh God, as we go into a new week, as we start the summer, a new month. May we realize it's not a game. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.